All right, y'all, I, uh, I left my good glasses at home, so this is the backup pair. I will not wear them the whole time, otherwise I, you're all foggy. These are my readers, okay? But they help when I read the text. So here we are, uh, Genesis chapter 2, y'all, I'm going to start in, um, I'm going to start in verse 4, and uh, we're going to actually read all the way through 18. I'm going to skip around a little bit, so make sure you're paying attention. But this is what the Word of God says uh, about mankind being created. It says, these are the records of the heavens and the earth uh, concerning their creation. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub or field had yet grown on the land. And no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground. And he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. It says, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now skip with me down to verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and he placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat uh, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Uh, And then it goes on, it says, the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird of the sky. Um, and it's going to talk about the rest of the creation account. Uh, and, and so here's what I want to do with you. So, so far, guys, uh, we learned two weeks ago um, that, that God doesn't send us into the wilderness to wander, that it's always meant to be a place of preparation. We're not just supposed to wander around aimlessly, and that's true spiritually speaking as well, that God actually has a path for us to grow and develop spiritually, right? There is a pathway uh, to becoming more like Christ, Okay. So we, we talked last week about the first step on that path. How do we get on that path? And that's, uh, that's worshiping Jesus as Lord. Now, if you missed that, foundational. Go back, listen to it. It's on the website. You can catch it on Facebook or YouTube if you want to watch it instead. Uh, but we want you to listen to that. It's really, really foundational. That's the first step. This morning, I want to, I want to talk to you about the next step, about the second step, okay? And, uh, and remember, we're not, this isn't a checklist. Um, this is something we have to constantly look at. Um, but so this morning, I want to talk to you about that second step. And there's three things that I want to share. And, and here's the first. I want you to understand, guys, that we uh, were made for community. I want you to know that we were actually made for community, okay? We're made for community. Now, uh, I I read this verse, but I want to put it up on the screen so that I can kind of highlight it. It's verse 18 of Genesis 2. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Right? So just recapping all that, uh, God makes everything. Right? He makes the earth, he makes the heavens, he, he makes the stars. Uh, I mean, everything, God creates everything, and, and then he makes, he makes for himself, he makes man. Uh, it says he forms him out of the dust, a uh, cool little sandcastle kind of thing, and, and God then breathes life in, into the sand, and it becomes a living being, right? Made in his own image. And, and, and there's Adam, the very first man on the face of the planet. And, and, and God loves Adam. And so God... Uh, puts Adam in a beautiful garden that has everything that Adam needs, not just to survive, but to thrive, 
right? So he puts him in a place where he can thrive. He gives him dominion and control. Says you can do everything, but you can't eat from this one tree. You're going to die. But, but every, everything's there. God supplies everything he needs, right? And, 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 and the Bible says as God looked down on all of it, over and over again it says, and God said that it was good, right? Sometimes it says, and God said that it was very good. It means exceeding, exceedingly, abundantly good or beautiful in the Hebrew. God's like, and this is, this is great. This is good stuff, right? But then there's one thing in all of that that God looks at and says, yeah, that's not so good. And it was loneliness. He looked at man who he had created in his own image and he says, man, it is not good for him to be alone. So he takes Adam and he puts him into a deep sleep and from his side he takes a rib um, from which he creates Eve. She wasn't taken from his head so that she could rule over him or his feet that he could trample over her but from his side that she might be his equal. Under his arm that she might be protected by him. Near his heart that she might be loved and cherished by him. That's wedding material right there. Right? That's the truth. God made man, he, he put him in a perfect situation. He said, it's good, it's good, it's good. But then he looked at man alone. He said, that's not good. You need a helper. You need somebody to do this life with. So he created you. We're, we're made for community. It reminds me of what King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, he says, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. So guys, I just want to start here this morning with this uh, basic truth. You've heard the phrase, no man is an island, right? That comes from this truth. We are made for community. We are not made to live on our own and by ourselves. And some of you this morning need to hear that. Because something has happened in life that has caused you to circle the wagons and say, that's it, it's just me. And some of us even do this when we're married. We're actually married to somebody. We're called to be one flesh. We've circled the wagons. and We're just doing it all our own. Sometimes it, it, it's a relationship with a family member. See, there's something you've gone through. You've just decided, hey, hey, it's just me. And I'm here to tell you, that's not how God designed you. God designed you. He made you thoughtfully to live, to dwell in community. Okay, so that's where we begin. All right, second thing I want to share with you is this. It's a big truth. Listen, because God is spirit, his intention for community is not just relational, but it's also spiritual. Okay, because God is spirit, his intention for this community is not just relational, but it is also spiritual. So I want to start with the first part of that statement. Uh, this is something I think we forget all too often when we talk about community. Uh, and, and it's this truth that God is spirit, right? Uh, Jesus says this in, in John chapter 4. Uh, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and, and in truth. And that's really important for us to remember us fleshly creatures, right? Sometimes we think about Jesus. What is Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh. And in our flesh, we tend to think about community just on that flesh level. We think about relationships. Oh, I've got people in my life and they care about me and they care about me. But that is not all that community is about because God is not flesh. Jesus was God in the flesh, but God is spirit, right? Which means if he designed us for community, that a big part of community is meant to be spiritual community. You were designed for spiritual 
community, right? For spiritual community. And uh, I think we see this best just in the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I just want you to think about this with me. So uh, Jesus uh, lives for 30 years right before he begins his public ministry. He starts his public ministry. He's going to do public ministry for three years. Uh, when he begins his public ministry, right, hey, of course he's baptized, and there we've, we, we've, got, we've got the Father speaking, the dove descending, the Spirit descending, right? And I, I mean, like, whoa, it's a big deal. Uh, but then Jesus walks into the synagogue, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah about setting the captives free. He says, this has happened today in your presence. His ministry begins with a boom. Right? And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and from day one, he is setting captives free. He's healing the, blame, the blind. He's making the lame walk. Right? Jesus is doing all these things, and, and crowds are constantly around him. But I want you to understand that even though crowds were around him, and he taught the crowds, he still had a need for community. All right? So I'm going to say this to you. I love this. I, I pray every time that FBC, from this day forward, offers a service that it is full right? That's, that's what I want. But this isn't community. Now, worship is important. Worship changes you. You got to shake somebody's hand. You got to say hi, and that's great. But that's not all community is about. Yet community is much more tight-knit. It, 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 it's, it's more than just relational. It's got this spiritual component. So here's what Jesus did. Again, our, our Lord, our Savior, our example, he taught in crowds, but then he spent this special time with 12 guys explaining what he taught, right? Uh, it says this in Mark 4, 34. Uh, he didn't speak to them talking about the crowds uh, without a parable. But then this is talking about his, his disciples. It said, privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. That was his model. Jesus' model was to do these big gatherings, right? He's teaching in a big gathering. But then he would withdraw with his 12, and he would explain it deeper. They'd have these spiritual discussions about what he was really talking about. They would do it in this smaller group of people. Now, listen to me. Uh, from this model, from the experience of these 12 guys, it's going to be 11 later because Judas hangs himself. All right, so it's going to be 11 that the church is founded, right? And so the same Jesus... Uh, he, 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 he's, he's literally walked this model out with his disciples. Then he says, hey, I've got to go away. It's going to be better for you if I do. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to ascend into heaven. And here's the deal. You, you guys, you 11, plus there's, there's other people that followed him around. There's about 120 total. You, you guys are going to now be in charge of teaching everything that I've taught you how to do. So, of course, that's the gospel. That's all the things that he taught but that's also what he modeled. And so the church, remember Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. 120 people are praying. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Uh, they start speaking in tongues. Everybody thinks they're drunk. Peter stands up and he preaches. He says, we're not drunk. This is the Spirit of God. This is from Jesus, who you killed. Right? So he just preaches the gospel. And, and it's just 3,000 people. Their hearts are praying. What do we have to do to be saved? Right? Repent and be baptized. 3,000 people added to their number that day. So check this out. The church goes from 120 people to 3,120 people overnight. Overnight. And so here is how uh, that church is described. I'm in Acts chapter 2 now. So we went from Genesis 2 to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. I want to talk to you about this church 
I just want you to see this, this spiritual community. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves. That's an important phrase. It'll be repeated again later on in verse 46. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devoted, that's a strong word, right? It says everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all of the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, here's that word, that phrase again, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful, sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Focus on verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. Meeting together in the temple, first day they meet together, 3,120. Right? I'm assuming 100% participation. Right? No sick days. 3,120 people, they meet in the synagogue, have church, and then they broke up and, and they, they broke bread together from house to house, it says. Why, Why does it say house to house? Because it was impossible for 3,120 people to fit in one house, right? And, and listen, how, how, did, how did the apostles learn? They learned from Jesus. What did Jesus do? He taught the crowds. And then, and, hey guys, come, let's talk about it. Let's take it further. There's always this sense of spiritual community. And listen to me, I believe with all of my heart, the reason the early church grew is because of that. Because they met together, they worshipped, they heard somebody preach, and then they got in a house with a smaller group of people and they talked about it. And it led to transformation and change. And the watching world said, something's up with these people. They called them the way. So I want to know about this way. Of course, they're going to hear the words of Jesus preached through one of those apostles. Jesus is the way. Right? Man, it was awesome. It was awesome. What I'm telling you is that you are made for community. What I'm also telling you is that that community is meant to have a spiritual component. God is spirit. Some of you have good friends in your life. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you have people that, you know, you have play dates with your kids and you hang out or you, you, know, you go on a date. That's great. But if you don't have spiritual community, and you're not on the path to transformation that God desires for you. Okay? It's huge. It is really, really important. Last thing, I want you to know that people who dwell in spiritual community typically see greater level of transformation. People who dwell in spiritual community typically see a greater level of transformation. Uh, spent the summer preaching through James, what was the goal, right? Spiritual transformation, spiritual maturity. So how, how, do, how do I get that? Who gets the most of that? The people that dwell in, in, in spiritual uh, community. That's, that's kind of how it works. So we started, said no man is an island. I would say this, spiritually speaking, islands get swallowed up. It's the truth. <laughs> they just get, just get swallowed up. When you're that person, uh, man, just get swallowed up. And so I love Colossians 3.16, one of my favorite verses. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. So let the word of, of Christ, let, let, let the word of God, let it dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another right? You see in spiritual community here, right? Uh, through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That word dwell is an intimate word. It's an intimate word. 
See, in, in this room, a room this size, there's only a handful of people in this room that, that, that you actually dwell with. They get to see a different side of you, right? They can see a different... Like here, I mean, I mean listen, we got some transparent people in our church, okay? But, but there's, there's even more transparency, right? So, so my crew, they dwell with me. Right? So they don't just get Pastor Jay, they just get Jason Jason at home. They, they know uh, kind of how dad, like you guys, uh, my, the way I always phrase it, you don't see me in my pajama pants, right? Like, yeah, that's not our relationship, okay? But we go home, it's been a day, I, I can't, it was sometime this summer, because uh, I know the kids were home, I, I don't know what it, I had a day. And I, I left, I left at like three, and I was like, I'm so done. I went home, I went into my room, I changed into my pajama pants at 3.30. I'm not lying. And, and Caleb, I remember he came up. He's like, Dad, everything okay? He's like, I'm fine. He's like, are you done? I'm done. <laughs> it's my day. And I can do that because I dwell with him. There's a, there's a deepness there. There's an intimacy. Listen to me. God intends for you to have spiritual intimacy with a group of people. That you dwell over the word of God with them, that you do life with them, that you struggle with the meaning of the text and the application of the text and how that applies to your marriage and how it applies to your parenting, how it applies to, to your grown children. How does it apply to politics in America today? You're supposed to dwell with somebody. You're supposed to work through it and process it. And that's God's goal, right? He, he wants you to dwell. He wants you to dwell. And so, uh, what, is that, what does that look like? Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I, I think it looks like from a practical standpoint. What dwelling in spiritual community looks like. I, I gave this to you in your notes, Sue. So I didn't want you to have to write it down. But I think it's really kind of four things. Number one, uh, it's, it's, it's dwelling on the word by thinking deeply about it and processing it with others. So, uh, dwelling on the word is, is thinking about it deeply and processing it with other people. You need to process the word, Right? How many of you have ever read the Bible and you thought it meant something and then you heard what it really meant and you're like, oh, right? That's why we do life in community, right? Because we need oh moments. Like, oh, gosh, <laughs> right? Because we bring presuppositions into it. So we, we need that. We need to think about uh, deeply about what we've heard. We've got to process it. And we do that by talking about it, right? Uh, a practical standpoint, biblical community is where we see spiritual truth applied to our specific circumstances, Man, I love you. Part of, my, part of my struggle on a weekly basis is the diversity of our church, right? So on any given Sunday, I've got people with, with, with uh, great-grandkids, and I've got people that are kids, right? And so the message from, from this standpoint, I want to reach everybody. I want to speak to a place that our teens go, man, I understand what our pastor is saying. I get it. Man, I, I love it. And I want my senior adults to go, man, I understand what our pastor is saying. I get it. I love it. But it is hard. I cannot apply it to every situation in this room for you. I can just preach the truth. I can proclaim what the word says and what it means. You have to go process that. You've got to go take that truth and then apply it. Okay, I'm a teenager. How does that message apply to me? What does spiritual community look like for me as a teenager? What does it look like for me as a, as a young parent? What does it look like for me when I've got adult children? You've got to apply that. What does it look for me because I'm single right now? You've got to apply that, right? And you've got to do that with other people. That's how that works, okay? And so uh, it, it, it's that. It, it's also learning to bear one another's burdens, and sharing with those in need. That's part of that spiritual community. Early church in Acts, they, they literally, okay, so it says some people sold their possessions, but it says they gave to those in need. 
couple things here, y'all. I love you. Okay? We're not mind readers. Okay? Some people think the church should be. I don't know what you think we are. We don't read palms. No crystal balls. So if you're hurting, you got to tell us you're hurting. Right? You got to say, help me. I need some help. Now, we got some people, boy, they tell us they need help a lot. Uh, and that's cool. We try to meet all those needs. But listen, that, that's how I like. So, so you got you to tell people that you have a need, but then somebody's got to show up and meet that need too. It's a give and take relationship. That's what spiritual community is. That's what church should be. Hey, I, I've got a problem. Can you help? Yes, I can help. It's, it's a give and take. And, and, and a lot of that is just, is just prayers, right? Saying, hey, I, I know that you're hurting right now. I just, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Hey, I, I don't want you to have to cook dinner right now because of what's going on. Here's, here's this. I just, I just want to love you, Right? And, and, and just doing that, it's really, really important. Lastly, it's spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, right? Spurring one another on. This is kind of the iron sharpens iron of the Bible. One of the reasons we need spiritual community is because we're lazy. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. We just are. Uh, we, we would like to go to church and check it off the list and go, I'm done. I'm good, right? <laughs> Look at me. Me and Jesus are great. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. No, you need to be spurred on to live it out daily. It's not a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing, right? And so, but we need help in that. We need somebody to encourage us in that. So we got to do that. So guys, we're, we're, we're talking about this pathway. I had an image for you. I still love your faces week one, but here's the image. Can't see anything on it. I got you. It's awesome. Uh, I worked really hard on that. You can't see an ounce of it, but, uh, but it's cool. <laughs> It's really cool. So I'll zoom in for you. Here's where we are on the path. Last week we got on the path uh, learning that we need to worship Jesus as Lord. That's becoming a believer. But it's not just a one-time thing. That's a, that's a constant thing, right? We don't want to be the church in Ephesus that does good things, but we lost our first love. So we, we have to worship Jesus as Lord every day, every week, right? It's a constant, ongoing process. That's what salvation is. Guys, when we accept Christ, that moment, we are saved from the penalty of sin, which is death, at that moment. That's, that's, that's salvation, right? But, but then, as we learn to walk in newness of life, as we learn to put into practice what Jesus tells us and commands us, then we're saved from the power of sin over us. That's what working out your salvation is, right? It's, it's learning to be saved from the power of sin. But then one day, either we'll die, or the Lord will come back, and we'll actually be saved from the very presence of sin. And so, so, that's how, so we, we start there. Uh, this week, we're talking about worshiping Jesus in community, and, uh, and that's the next step. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to get in community. So uh, let's apply this word and we'll let you out of here. Um, number one, three things that I think you should do because of what you've heard. One, I, I think you need to become a member of the family of God. Talked about this last week. If you're not a believer, um, it's time. It's time. You cannot do life on your own. And you definitely can't do death on your own. I love you. That, that's harsh, but that is the truth. Not only can you not do life on your own, you definitely cannot do, do death and judgment on your own. It's horrible. It's horrible. God loves you so much, he's provided a way for you to be made right with him, for you to be reconciled. His name is Jesus. We talked about him last week, but I'll talk about him every week. If you don't know Jesus, come talk to us at the end of the service. I'll be down here. Uh, Pastor John will be here. Uh, Franklin won't leave right away. He'll be down here. Um, but we, we just want to talk to you about Jesus. And so let, that, let today be that day. If you haven't done that, let today be that day. Uh, second thing, I, I want to really challenge you to fight against the tendency towards isolation. Fight against the tendency towards isolation. All right? Listen, let me tell you uh, what the devil wants. He wants you to be isolated. That's what the devil wants. 
right? The Bible describes him like a lion, like he's roaring, he's on the prowl. Uh, how do predators work? They want to separate you from the herd. And listen, there's a couple ways that the devil does this in your life. And so I'm going to love you right now and tell you, okay? So number one is pride, right? I don't need anybody, right? And sometimes we get hurt, and it's crazy. We get hurt, and suddenly we're proud. I don't need anybody. I'm going to do it all on my own. Forget those people. They're always hurt. That is pride, y'all, and it comes before the fall, right? And, and so listen, you, you do need others. You really, really do. And so I, I want to challenge you that. But sometimes our pride, and we don't think of it as pride, but we, we actually convince ourselves, this is the devil whispering in our ears, he says, nobody else knows what you're going through. So we think we're unique. That's pride. Nobody else, nobody else has a marriage that's struggling. Nobody else has kids that drive them crazy. Right? No, nobody else is struggling financially. Nobody else, their life is a, is a mess. And that's, that's pride. The devil is trying to isolate you so he can attack you. That too is pride. So he's going to use pride. If pride doesn't work, y'all, his second tool in his arsenal, really, really uh, effective, is shame. It's shame. Now, guilt is from God. It leads us to repentance. But shame is from the devil where he won't let you let go of it, right? Guilt is meant to lead us to God. Say, God, I'm, I'm such an idiot. God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Like, 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 like cleanse me of my sin. Like, make me new. I want that, that 1 John 1, 9 thing, right? But, but man, shame is you just can't get over it. And, and the devil will shame you into isolation. Shame you into isolation, and you'll be all alone, and you'll avoid community, which you desperately need, all right? So here, here's what I want to do this morning. Because some of you, I say these words and you're like, yep. I get it. Some of you bought into those, right? So here's the deal. This is what I want to say. We're pretty transparent around here. And uh, I'm going to pick on my brother Jens. Uh, I'm jacked up from the ground up, right? So that's who we are. Uh, we, 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 we're not coming here proclaiming any. We all need Jesus. That's why we show up, right? We show up because we need Jesus. So I, I just want to do this because there's somebody here this morning and they're thinking, nope, 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 it really is. I mean, you're so isolated, you really think it's just you. Nope, I'm the only one with this problem. I'm the only one. I, I'm the only one about, so you think it's just you. So here's the deal. If you know that you're a complete wreck, just held together by the grace of God this morning, would you just stand up for me? Just stand up, come on. Just stand up. I just want other people to see. You're like, I'm jacked up from the ground up. That's me, right? Now look around. You are not alone. All right? Don't let the enemy tell you you're alone. Look around the room. That's our story collectively. You guys can have a seat, right? So don't stay in isolation, afraid that nobody else is going through what you're going through. Because everyone is. Because everyone has. That's why God designed us for community. Lastly, I would challenge you to find a place to start building that community. Right? So you're going to resist the temptation of isolation, but then you're actually going to take that next step and you're going to find some biblical community. You've got to find it. It's going to take some work. If you need help, email us. Come talk to us. We're going to point you in the right direction. We've got places for that. Listen, if you don't have kids in the home right now, show up at 8.30 in the morning. I know it's early. We've got strong coffee. Strong coffee. It'll give you a little kick. All right? That downstairs coffee is, woo, hair on your chest, baby. I mean, it's, it'll get you going. I mean, you heard about Starbucks. We got you. Uh, so, so you like the strong coffee? Come get some down here. It's really good. Uh, it, may, it might have been moved over there now, but, but it, it's still good. Uh, but listen, so you, we've got community. Come, come build community in our men's class or our women's class or our couples class. Just come, 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 come build community, right? 
Uh, Wednesday nights, we, we started a, a marriage study for folks that have kids in the house. Now, be honest, that study is currently closed uh, right now. We've got, we've got like 65 people that are starting to build community. You say, well, what about me, Pastor? I, I just showed up this morning. Well, we've got a place for you too. Come join us in Connections. Listen, Connections is not just for new visitors. It's for anyone in our church that's not currently plugged into a Bible study. Anybody. Make connections with other believers, right? It, we're literally, this class is doing what we're talking about. They're taking the word that we just talked about, and they're just talking about it, taking it deeper, digging into it. And, and we need you to be a part of that. No more excuses, y'all. Take the next step. God created you to be connected to other believers. That's the truth. That's the truth, okay? Step one, spiritual path. Worship Jesus as Lord. Step two is worship Jesus in community. And I'm going to pray for you this morning. Bow your heads where you are. You don't mind, close your eyes, bow your heads. Uh, if you're here this morning and you've been that person on the island, nobody is looking around, every head is closed, or, or every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Uh, I hope every head is not closed. I hope the ears are open. Uh, Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here this morning and you feel that, you have been in isolation. You've been isolating yourself from other believers and this morning the Holy Spirit said it's time to stop. And you're here this morning and you really just need some community with other believers. Would you just raise your hand? I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come see me. But just, hey, I need some community with other believers. Raise your hand right where you are. Okay? Okay, cool. Let me pray for us. Father, I... Uh, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now. You have made us, you've designed us to need other believers. We need community. So Father, I'm praying right now that you would provide just that. God, provide community for every person that has felt alone, for every person that has felt they're not good enough, for every person that has sensed that isolation, God. I pray that you would provide them, encourage them to take the next step and find a place to start building spiritual community. God, we ask that. Your powerful, holy, precious name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.